Welcome to the fourth Severe in a Wheel of Time podcast. My name is Justin and I'm your host for this episode where we will be talking about the Eye of the World, chapters 45 through 59, no, 49, <laughs> get a little ahead of myself. But yeah, we'll be talking about where we last left off in these book reviews and our heroes were stuck in the ways and we're going to find out what happened. Do they escape? Do they get out? We don't know. <laughs> so, but first I want to introduce... My fellow Tavirin, Mark and Kyle, welcome back to the show. Good to have you guys here. Um, appreciate your knowledge, your expertise. Uh, you guys are true Tavirin and affect the world around you. You <laughs> <laughs> reshape the pattern around us. That's how we do yeah. it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but yeah, we've been uh, looking forward to getting back together. It's been a bit. If you're listening to this, uh, chronologically in the future it doesn't matter because you just skip to the next episode but it has been a, a little <laughs> bit since we recorded last you know life gets in the way or not in the way just you know life happens and you gotta live it so we're back uh, our our enjoyment of the wheel of time book series has not dissipated and it's still something we're very passionate about so we're glad to be here again uh, but yeah chapters 45 through 49 um as far as the heroes go, they are in the ways. They're trying to find a way to Faldara to meet up with the, the people there because the, their ultimate goal is the Eye of the World, which is a little bit further past Faldara, so they're trying to get there. But while they're in the ways, um, they have some, some problems. There's, it's dark. The Machin Shin, the, the Black Wind is there, so they got to be careful of that. Trollocs are there. And they don't run into any this time, but uh, at least at this point, but they're not there, but they're aware of them. So they're trying to get there. They escape through the ways, come out the other side, chased by Machin Shin, and barely escape alive, and um, then make their way to Faldara, which is in the borderlands in the north part of the land. And they meet up with, um, first of all, they meet up with Inktar and a bunch of others who welcome Lan. Call him Daishan, ask him if they if he's gonna raise the golden crane. And you're like, what's all this? What's this? this sounds interesting. But uh, they get into it a little bit later, and so will we. But then uh, they meet up with the Lord there, Lord Algomar, and kind of have a reunion. He volunteers to help them, you know, send men to to the blight with them to help locate the green man. But Moraine and land they decline, say more men will just cause more problems won't help us reach our goal because we'll just end up fighting and we'll lose. And so they decline that. And the the Faldarans are preparing to uh, attack or to make a move to Tarwin's Gap, which is north, but kind of more north uh, east to, I guess there's a big Trolloc camp that's coming. That's one of the, the passes that they use to attack the borderlands. And so they're sending the majority of their army, well, pretty much all their army there to, to fight the Trollocs and the Murdral. And so uh, Moraine and her group take off to the Blight, a little bit different direction, and end up having some troubles in the Blight, but are able to escape it, and they end up meeting up with the Green Man. And that's where we'll stop today for this episode, and then we'll continue on to the last few chapters in our next episode. But that's kind of the, the stage of where we're at and kind of what we'll be talking about for the next little bit. Uh, my One of my uh, things that I really have liked about 
this book series is the ways. So every time they go back to the ways, I'm like, oh yeah, they're back because it's <laughs> it's spooky, it's dark, it's they got this weird otherworldly feel, and you just don't know. They just say it was created by um, the Aes Sedai in the Age of Legends, and so it's like, oh, how did I, you know? You have all these questions, and it's, you don't really get any answers. But it's a, a cool place, so I'm glad. Uh, we get to talk a bit more about it, but as far as these chapters go, uh, what what are some of your guys' favorite parts that we'll be talking about today, Mark? What's some of yours? Oh, I mean, there's a lot in this, right? There's um, it's pretty quick read. Um, I think you can read the 45 to 49 in like an hour, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a read. Um, I, I think one of my favorite parts is when they get to Feldara mm-hmm. and we do hear about Lan. We yeah. do hear who, you know, like a little bit more about him. We hear some history, uh, you know, just kind of along that storyline where he came from, why he is how he is, right? Because yeah. up until now, I mean, he's this warder guy that's this strong brute, silent type who's weirdly in love with the, you know, the wisdom. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a, a little, you know, mysterious there. And then we get a little bit into why, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and I really like that kind of learning. I, I enjoy hearing backstory. I enjoy hearing backstory that makes sense mm-hmm. um, and that really ties into the world. Because, I mean, this is something that follows Lan till the end of the book. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you hear when they're reading, they talk about Golden Crane, you know, with a Golden Crane fly. And then was it the second to last book, you know, it ends, you know, and like they're all crying because the Golden <laughs> Crane flies yeah. again, right? And, yeah. and so I guess that was like the 13th book or something. Yeah. But anyways... Um, and so it's pretty cool. This is where it started. And I'd forgot it started all in book one. I knew, we, I remembered we read about it, but I didn't remember where. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, really cool. That's that's easily my favorite part. And the introduction of Ingtar. I mean, he's right there too. And um, we were talking about this earlier, but Ingtar is my favorite non-main character of anybody. I mean, you take, you know, Matt, Perrin, Lan, you know, that whole group, you know, Niney, Eglin. You delete them from the book. Who's your favorite? Ingtar, number one, mm. every day. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, we, this is his introduction chapter, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, definitely my favorite chapter. Definitely my favorite stuff to read. Cool. Yeah, I like the Borderlands. It's it's kind of, it's got this military feel and their honor and you know, all that stuff is really, I really like it too. So. Mm-hmm. What about for you, Kyle? No, honestly, it's similar, right? It's when they, when they get there and they start meeting the, the, the borderline characters and just the the rich heritage and history that they have of defending um you know what we know of the world so far against um the encroachment of the blight and and everything else like that and to your point justin the you know the honor and the history and the legacy that they have um is is fantastic and it's similar to you mark my i love ingtar and and his arc in the story and and he's definitely going to be a part of future conversations. And he, he's just, he's a fantastic character and, and uh, with a lot of depth, mm-hmm. interestingly, you know. And so, yeah, very similar. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so the ways, they start out there. And there's, we get a pretty cool part. One thing I like about book one is when the main, the, the Emmons Field Five is what they call them. Uh, Nynaeve, Mats, Egwene, Rand, Perrin, the main core characters. Whenever they're together, and there's not a lot of 
they have this downtime. You get to see, you can they joke with each other, kind of bag on each other here and there and mm-hmm. make fun of each other. Nine was always bossing them around. They're like, ah, <laughs> you're just the wisdom. We don't have to listen to you. You're not the wisdom anymore. <laughs> so you get this kind of camaraderie whenever they're together in these quiet moments. And we have one of those here. And I just want to talk about that a little bit because it is one of my favorite parts in these chapters is they're, they're getting ready to, they have to sleep, spend the night in the ways. And, uh, they're kind of getting ready to get their beds ready and stuff. And I can't remember. I think it's Matt, of course. He's like, remember when you danced with the, the tinker <laughs> and you said it was the best thing ever? And Matt's, or Rand's like, what? I didn't hear about this. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm, just, I'm going to bed. Never mind. <laughs> right. So she tries to get out. But then did, he, did he say, like, dance like a bird? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And, she gets all embarrassed. Yeah. And then... Funny. Someone else says, well, was it Elsie? Yeah. Like, well, Elsie was looking at you pretty strong there, Matt, or Rand. And <laughs> well, they were talking about men. Oh, like, yeah, she men. Was, it was she men. was good looking. She had short hair. Yeah, and- <laughs> she was always watching you. And Edwin's like, who's men? <laughs> and then they brought up Elsie Grinwald, and uh, they're like, oh, you know, so it was just funny. They were just kind of joking around and stuff. And then, and then I think at the end, Eggwing's like, I didn't really like dancing with him as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to smooth that over. Yeah. You gotta, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I just think it's hilarious that they'll, you know, that they all poke fun at each other saying, oh, you dance with so-and-so. And a, but, you know, they all think that everybody else is the expert on yeah. women, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. If only I knew as if much only as Perrin did. Right, you know? exactly. Like, and Perrin doesn't know nothing, right? right? I mean, I've seen his relationships. He doesn't know a thing. Exactly. I'll say that right now. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was good. I like that. Because so, then I think that's one of their last moments together, really, to like be that type of have that type of conversations. Because from here on out, it's just they're getting chased. Changes. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of this book, everything's different. So it was kind of good to see that. But the, there, um, I think it was Lan. He's like, someone's following us. You know, I can, or maybe it was loyal, but. You know, someone's following us. They didn't know who it was, but it's kind of like Gollum following Frodo, and you know, mm-hmm. it's like someone's back there. We don't know who it right. is. It's kind of that kind of feel, but they don't know who it is. And but then they, the next day they they start going, and then they realize matching shins. They hear a wind, and they're like, "Oh crap, we got to get out of here." Because what happens if you get caught by matching shin? Uh, you die. You go mad. You never <laughs> see it again. You right? Your, I mean, it, you lose I, your mind. It just yeah, yeah, sucks everything that's good about you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we don't really know what it is, right? I mean, right. the book never explains it. You can read the white book; it doesn't explain it. Like nobody knows where it came from. No one knows exactly what it does or why it exists. It just does. Yeah. And so, what they do know is, if you get caught by it, you're dead, man. Or you're <laughs> going to come out at at best, mad and and you know yeah. crazy. So or brain dead. Yeah, can't feed yourself. You know. Exactly. Yeah, bad news. And they they speculated that oh maybe it's since the the ways were created by Saidin. Saidin's tint, tainted, so maybe it got formed somehow that way. But like you said, they don't really know. Mm-hmm. And I I noticed that Moraine when she she was trying to use the power, and she said that. Even the taint from Saidine is affecting her use of Sidar. Yeah. It was that powerful in the ways that it turned, it was she, her power outside of the ways is like a bright light, but in the ways it's like a dull yellow. And then she just feels like if I use it, I'm going to be tainted as well. Mm -hmm. It's that pervasive and that powerful. You know, I've always thought 
because the ways were created, right? The seeds were to create the ways were created by the Aes Sedai. But to grow them, mm-hmm. it was grown by the Ogier. Yeah, right? right. So I always thought it had to do with the longing. Mm. Okay. That's why I always, I always felt like, well, because all the steading are spread out and lost and they don't know where they all are and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I always felt that that was connected because the Ogier connected the steading, the Ogier created the ways. And as the you know, longing started killing off the Ogier and they became less connected to the world and things like that. Mm-hmm. That that's what create that's what started it. Yeah. And I mean that would make sense because the longing didn't start until the breaking of the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like after the breaking, right? Right the breaking after the happened, breaking, right? Exactly. And then during that time, they were looking for the steading, they couldn't find them, right? And then somewhere around the war of a hundred years is when it occurred, and that's when about the time I think the Ogier started settling all their um, their stuff again. Yeah. Maybe it's a combination of them both, like the the fact that it was created in sighting, therefore is tainted, right? Mm-hmm. And then. With the you know with the longing and the ogier being absent and having to be absent for longer sp- periods of time, right? It kind of results in that, you know the the state that the ways are in now because I mean they used to be stunningly beautiful. Oh know, yeah, right? yeah. It never got dark. There's grass and trees and fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about you know you could eat fruit and take a rest and yeah, no absolutely. one actually knew how large it was and mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, who knows though? We don't know. I don't think it ever actually says anywhere doesn't matter yeah. i mean i always thought well you know if the corruption exists with machin chin machin chin and the say you know sadine is it say yes sadine it would start healing itself now after book six or seven yeah 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 because machin chin is no longer in the ways yeah uh, <laughs> spoiler alert! There will be spoilers uh, in this spoiler episode. Alert. <laughs> spoiler alert! I mean, uh, but you know, I always assumed you know. So, oh, they'll just start getting better. But we yeah. never know. We never hear. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I would. I would agree with that hypothesis. Uh, I think it's a good theory. Um, there was a chapter written by Brandon Sanderson for the last book that ended up getting cut, just because time the time frames didn't work out. Where Perrin and Ruark and a bunch of Ogier fighters travel the ways to come to make it to the last battle in time, and when they're in there, it's the it's still dark. It's still that way. It hasn't like healed itself. Mm. But maybe that's just it takes time or something. But there wasn't like an immediate effect. I see. But okay. that's not canon. So maybe maybe it's that's not the case. Huh. But, huh. but I do like you know once Sighting got healed and yeah why not. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, and they used a tearing, tearing gil, terangriel, terangriel, <laughs> to create the doorways to the the ways. Yeah, those little avendisora leaves are think looking things, right? Yeah. Yeah. I forget what they were called. I think they're in the white book somewhere, but yeah. So they were able to use that because those things you don't have to use the one. You have to have access to the one power to use the one power. As opposed to Sangrial and um, Angrial. So anyway, the ways they they wake up, they start their way back and having there's some they have to take another route, but then Machin Shins come so, come so they have to start running. They make it to the door and the Avendasora leaf on the inside is gone. So I wonder if that was like sabotage or just got lost over time. But 
interesting. They had, so Moraine had to use the one power to break open the door and everybody escaped just in time and escaped Machin Shin. Mm-hmm. And then, so from there, they, they made their way to Faldara and on the way, they, um, all the houses, the farmhouses were empty. So they know, they know something's up, something's wrong. Um, but then when they arrive at Faldara, they realize that everyone has kind of gravitated toward Faldara for this last battle thing. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when they arrive, I'm going to kind of let you talk about it, Mark, about, uh, you know, people are, everyone knows Lan, right? Yeah. That was when I first read, I was like, oh, he's like a hero or who is he, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's not just a warder that follows Moraine around. Yeah. Um, yeah, he gets there uh, immediately, you know, you start hearing like Daishan, Daishan, you know, the golden crane, well, the golden crane fly, you know, right. and um, a couple of things here, right? These people truly believe that this is close to the last battle, right? Because mm-hmm. that's when the mm-hmm. golden crane, crane will fly again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they truly believe um, that this is it. And uh, so that's, that's kind of crazy. That kind of gives you the mood that mm-hmm. they're going to. They're going to a city not like of... You know, we're gearing up for another battle. We're going, we're gearing up and, and we're probably all going to die. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that's kind of a heavy thing. They, I, they talk about it a little bit, but I don't feel like they really said it very well with the surround, you know, the surrounding feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so that's pretty neat. Um, we find out Daishan is a means of battle lord, right? And, uh. Uh, we, they talk about that a little bit. I think Ingtar is the one that kind of gives the rundown on that, and same with Moraine a little bit later. And uh, basically, we find out Lan is a king, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? He uh, there's a an old country called Malkir, and it was overrun by the Shadow through deception, and you know all sorts of craziness things. Like I don't, I don't even think like when you read the in the book and you read in the White Book. It sounds like a lot of things happen that we don't read about, right? right? We hear some big names like Esam. Yeah. We hear some, you know. Let's which talk comes about up. that whole connect, those connections. With so it was Lan's dad, Al Akir mm-hmm. Mandragoran, mm-hmm. and his wife. They had a son, Lan. But then Al Akir had a brother, Lane Mandragoran, yep. his wife, and their son was Esam. Is is his wife Corwin? Is that who it is, Corwin? I think Corwin was the the, uh, the, the guy. other lord. Yeah, yeah. Tried yeah. To, okay. Yeah. So Lane was like, Lane and his wife were like, we got to attack um, Shael Ghul. We got to end this. So they gather a bunch of people. Alec here, the king, doesn't want to do that, but they do it anyway. And they uh, Lane ends up getting killed with all mm. the people. So then his wife teams up with Cohen. Is it Corwin? Cohen? Yeah, something Co- like Cohen. Cohen. C O W I N. Okay. Right? Yeah. Cohen Fair or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something different yeah. to the other. Yeah. And, and yeah, they team up and try to overthrow. Yeah. They basically try and a coup, it sounds like. Right. right and right. so, like, they had a vote mm-hmm. uh, for King and Akir only won by two votes. Mm-hmm. Right. That's it. I mean, that's how popular this guy was. And so, instead of taking his loss, he basically attacks the seven towers, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, big old fight and uh, they get put down. Uh, needs to say Shadow overruns, you know, because they lost all those men. Right. Shadows come in, the Shadow comes in, kills everybody. Before he die, um, Akir and his wife bring in Lan and anoint him. Uh, As the king. Yeah, they, they use a certain something, you know, Daishan, like a, 
mm-hmm. you know, anointed battle lord or something like that and give him, you know, king and then send him on his way. They give him a bunch of bodyguards and say, take him, keep him safe. They give him the sword, the mm-hmm. ring. Yep. And, uh, the ring of Bahir. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. And so, uh, and then, you know, he leaves. He barely survives the journey. I think there's, I said there's five of his bodyguards survived. Yeah. Um, uh, his parents die. And then, is it Jane Farstrider kills Cor- Corwin? Corwin, right? I don't know. I think Alakir and Corwin duel before the... Oh, attack. and he beats him in one on one. Who did Jane Farstrider th- kill? He was involved somehow. I think he brought Cohen in for justice. Maybe that. Oh, that's Something what like it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, would that make is sense. right. And so, um, anyway, so he gets involved in that, which is pretty cool. That'll you know come up yeah. a little bit <laughs> a lot later. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty cool. Uh, so, and then uh, Lane and his wife's son, Lane's wife and her son Isam, they escape. They try to escape. Mm-hmm. But in this book, it just says they got killed. Yeah, it says they got ran down by the, uh, the Trollocs and right. assumed dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we will <laughs> well, never <laughs> hear from them again. Yeah. yeah uh, we'll talk yes. more about that. <laughs> yeah, but there's this guy named Lord Luke. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, so. <laughs> pretty cool storyline. Um, we kind of learned Faldara. Um, is it's basically a fortress town mm-hmm. on the on the edge of the border. It's like the the main town to defend what's called Tarwin's Gap. Um, it's where you know if the Trollocs sort of flood in, they've got to come through this gap. Uh, we learn that it's ran by the the Agamar Lord Agamar, and Agamar is actually a really interesting character. We don't learn too much about him now. But he has a huge role to play later. Um, in the White Book and through other things, we find out he's one of the great captains. He was almost selected to lead uh, the war against uh, the the Ayo, the Ayo War, Ayo, the Ayo War by himself. But then through politics, right, they had to share it. But there's a reason, you know, he was almost picked. He's a freaking awesome well, general. Five great captains? Is that what it is? Yeah, I Seven? think. So. I know. I think there's five. Five. Right. Five. And so he's one of them. I don't know if that means he's the best, but he's, he's freaking awesome. Yeah, he's top. He's one of them. He's good. He wouldn't die in a Trolloc attack in Tarwin's Gap, right? <laughs> what? That's ludicrous, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. No. Okay. no clarify that. Doesn't, doesn't die. No. Okay. Nothing. Um, but uh, he, he's awesome. So, um, but we get to meet him and kind of his culture and who he is and understand kind of where him and land sit, they respect each other as equals. And that's, I think that's what's interesting here is like, if you take anything from this to understand who land is, is a Lord Agamar, the leader of Faldara, the la- you know, the first defense against Trolloc incursion, right? Great captain, almost led to everything, treats land as an equal. And I think that if you take anything from this, take that mm-hmm. because that's important to who land is going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, in reading this, I noticed that he Algomar, you know, we had the brand Matt Perrin, and he kept looking at him like, "Who are these guys? These mm-hmm. farm boys?" And eventually, it came out that they're the reason why they're going to the eye of the world. And Algomar was like, "What? These guys? They're yeah, the heroes." <laughs> mm-hmm. And he kept kind of trying to cast doubt on who they were and what. 
So I thought that was interesting that he was downplaying who they were, like he knew something or he just didn't respect who they were because they were new. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Because Algomar is not a dark friend, right? No. At this point. Well, he is. Oh, ever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of discussion about that. But anyways, um, I feel like... He just looks at him, right? And he says, well, you got one one new warrior here. You know, yeah. he kind of understands. Like, Maybe can, two. Yeah, you can see how Rand walks. He's, right. I, I think he's a sword master, right? Agamar's a sword master, too. He can tell that he's good. Mm-hmm. Maybe two looks at Perrin. Matt, who's probably legitimately <laughs> the best warrior in the freaking world, <laughs> is overlooked completely like, yeah. <laughs> like he is for the first three books. Yeah. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, he... He shakes him off, and I think it was part because he looked at him and saw, like, okay, like these guys are new. She's she's going to the eye of the world during the end of the end of times. Like, what is this? Um, but furthermore, I don't think he wanted to believe what that could mean because later, when she tells him, like, no, I will be going there with these three, not not the women. Yeah, and then he's like, is it that time? Is it? Are we really here? Mm-hmm. Like, and then he admit, like, he understands where they're at. Why she would take him, and I think that was important too. Like I think at first he just didn't want to believe. Like no, we're not there yet. And then it's like, ah, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a classic case of expectations, right? And so to your point, like when he when he learns that they are going to the eye of the world, right? And the, and and then he's still kind of, you know, I this really makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. You put yourself in in Lord Aglemar's shoes, and yeah, you know, what what going to the eye of the world means, mm-hmm. right? And you, you wouldn't think that it's going to be three farm boys, right? That are going to be that important, right? Yeah. Or that that pivotal or pivotal, you know. And so you know, to that end, you can you can kind of understand, you know, you know, first of all, the dismissal at first, right? But when he learns that, the confusion, right? Mm-hmm. And so, because uh, there was a lot of back and forth between him and Moraine, like, hey, I'm gonna, I'll send guys with you, you know. You don't want a hundred guys? I'll send ten. Right. And you don't want ten, I'll send three. Yeah. You know, like I'll replace these three farm boys with three good warriors. And he kept trying to convince her, hey, you gotta bring more people than what you're getting, or you're gonna fail. Right. And she just kept saying, Nope, nope, nope. Until so finally he got it. And then even Ingtar, when he escorted him to the the edge, he was like, I really thought I was going with you guys, but <laughs> yeah, uh, Algamar told me not to, so I guess not. Right now, I'm going to be late to the battle. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. Just fool. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting. He, so I guess he knew what that meant, like the eye of the going to the eye of the world. That it was the end, the last battle. Which is weird. I'm going to have to reread because I didn't think anybody knew what was in the eye of the world. Obviously, she did, which means some people did. Lord Agomar obviously did. And maybe most of the Aes Sedai did it then. Um, Who knows? Uh, They didn't know. I didn't think everything it may or may not contain. Right. Which we'll find out next time. Next episode. Um, But... Um, kind of a sign of the times kind of a thing. Yeah. Right. But I didn't think that they, like, that was common knowledge. If you go to the eye of the world, there's going to be this great pool of uh, slime and, um, you know, X, yeah. Y, and Z. But then he knows. But right. there's been other people that have gone to the eye of the world. Yeah, but, I mean, do they go and the no, green they go to like, hello, welcome. Are you the yeah. one that's going to go to the eye of the world? That's a right. good point. They right. go to find the green man. Yeah. Right. And then they're done. Mm-hmm. Where these guys were going to find the green man to go to the eye of the world. Right another step right and we'll talk about 
kind of how the green man how they get there but mm-hmm. i think that plays a role into them actually getting to the eye of the world is why they you know first of all how they got to the green man and then why they were going to the green man mm-hmm. and so yeah okay um so while they're there someone shows up one of our old buddies from the beginning of the book pat and fane mm-hmm. uh, they're in there talking and then ingtar comes in and says hey some guy tried to enter in and he ran off now he's climbing the walls <laughs> and algomar's like what go get him so they bring him in and he's just kind of out of his mind we find out that he was the one that was in the ways following them and now he's here and he's just babbling saying first he's like the dark one made me do it i'm so sorry and then he's like oh you guys are gonna suffer you know he kind of goes back and forth what he's talking about so he's just all over the place um but so far so pat and fane we find out that he was captured by or he was a dark friend and then he was sent to shael ghoul to meet well, he he said the dark oh, balsamon mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and balsamon kind of gives him a special mission to track down uh what ended up being rand and matt and perrin into two rivers right. So he has all that exposure. They did something to him while he was there, and he's like the ultimate, he's like the uber dark friend now. And then he goes to Shadar Logoth, gets caught by Mashadar, and has that evil within him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the Ways and gets caught by Machin Shin <laughs> and has that evil. Which are all different evils. Yeah, they're right? all different evils. I mean, every single one, like basically one's pure greed, right? Mm-hmm. One is the dark one's taint whatever you know he brings it and the other one is like lost misery and all that stuff right mm-hmm. and suffering mm-hmm. so like they're i mean they're all evil right but they're all different corners of evil mm-hmm. which right. is when you br- break it down and who he stuff makes <laughs> sense <laughs> dude, dude can't catch a break no yeah, yeah. no kind of feel bad for him a little bit i guess I don't know. <laughs> this is the Pot on Fane Apologist Club. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> everyone be, deserves redemption. It's going to be much harder to do that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's a bad dude, right? You would think he would be like at the level of uh, Forsaken almost. I think. Without the knowledge of the, the Age of Legends. I think by the end, and I'm not talking the last book, like at the end. No, I'm no. talking pre that last book, you know. He was, I think he could take a Forsaken. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't yeah. know if he could take like um, Morden or Ishmael or, you know, but I think he could take like any, I think he could take most of them. Especially Asmodian. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he could take Asmodian. I think he could take Grendel. I think he could take um, uh, most of them. I mean, take maybe like Ishmael, Agonor, Bothamel, and uh, what's her name, Al? Um, Lanfear? Lanfear out. Moby I think, I think Lanfear? He, takes, he could take Lanfear? I know. I think he couldn't. Oh, okay. But okay, I think okay. besides those four, oh, okay. he could take the rest out. Yeah. There wasn't ever a confrontation between him and a Forsaken, right? No. And mm-hmm. it talked about that they kind of kept clear of him. They were aware of him, mm-hmm. but they were like, they were told to keep clear of him. Yeah. yeah. So. I wish he would have had more to do like because you just he'll just pop up and be like ah with his dagger you know and then mm-hmm. they run away or, and then he we don't see him for a while right then he shows up again he shows right? up again like yeah, yeah. Ran, just randomly mm-hmm. so i wish he would have had like a kind of like how in star wars with darth maul when he comes back to life he like f- 
forms this shadow collective of all these gangsters and bad guys and he's the leader and they start attacking the heroes so I, i'm wondering it would be nice if he would have like formed a group and been a major player in this this whole last battle thing yeah who was that fade that the shadar haran or something like that yeah you yes. know what i'm talking yeah. about uh-huh. i always thought because he could, like he was like ordering everyone around. Right. I always thought that those two were gonna toss yeah. down. That would have been interesting. Yeah. That would have been really interesting. So. Now I want to talk about that fade. We can't do that yet. <laughs> we can't do that. Yet. <laughs> In nine books, we will be back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Pat and Fane, and they just keep him there, and then he shows up the next book. Uh, so then. Anything else happen while they're there? Anything else you guys want to talk about with Faldara while they're there? I mean, I think the one thing that is skipped over really quick is that they caught a bunch of people trying to cut down like little horse nets Uh, or something to allow. And it was really quick. It was really like, oh, we caught four guys trying to do this. And then the people tore them apart. The end. You know, um, I think that's important because here's this society that is literally bent and grown on keeping the shadow out and you had a group of people trying to dark friends dark friends trying to let them in so i think that's important that's important for future reference but um it also goes to show that even in you know dark friends are everywhere they have no nation they have no you know loyalties you know maureen says that numerous times throughout Mm -hmm. and i think that's important here right yeah and i I think it's also also important you can see you know pot on flame try to start driving a wedge between maureen and lord algomar or i I would say the Aes Sedai Mm -hmm. and lord algomar saying hey you know i know your your mission is to you know get rid of the blight you know get not the blight the you know keep the shadow back defeat the dark one kind of a thing i can teach you how to do that without without having to get in you know, involved with the Aes Sedai, right? Because, yeah. you know, you know the Aes Sedai, it's always mysterious and you never know what's, you know, it, it's always a pain, right? Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, Moraine, you know, cuts them off really quick and then they move on, right? But yeah. you can see how he starts to try to exert his influence over the Aes Sedai or over, you know, people believing the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Algomar's come back to that. He's like, I don't know what a peddler can teach me. I've been here right. for fighting Trollocs forever. I know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know what right. a peddler's going to teach me. Yep. So, anyway, uh, so the next day, they, like I said, Inktar escorts him to the, the edge, the towers, the watchtowers. And when he has that conversation, like, I was just informed that I'm not going to be able to go with you, but me and my hundred men have to go to Tarwin's Gap. And they, kind of take off hoping to get there in time mm-hmm. and they enter the well the outskirts of the blight not necessarily the the blight itself yet and mm-hmm. they travel um so kyle do you want to kind of talk about the blight yeah so it's all about what, what i think this is the from? i think this is the first time in the books we get a a sense of what the blight is and what it looks like and what it's like to experience right yeah yeah so the blight is interesting it's it's definitely represented as a physical thing in the in the books at this point, right, and it definitely is right, but it's a result. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think you learn this a little bit later, but it's a, it's a result of the Dark One exerting his influence over the world, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason it's glow it's growing is because the Dark One is you know the 
the layer between the Dark One's influence and the real world is shrinking. The seals are breaking. The seals are breaking, right? He's gaining more influence, right? And so this concept of reality, of, you know, true reality is warping, mm-hmm. right? And so all these things that are good and great and, and you know, normal are now turned into terrible awful things right and it, it's it's interesting right so they, they they drop it off they drop them off there and it's obviously warm right mm-hmm. the temperature the climate is warm and dry and no, is it dry or is it humid i think it's humid i think it's humid yeah. right yeah and so they drop them off there it's humid it's dry or it's humid warm but the the closer you get to shale ghoul it gets colder right Mm, yeah right and so it's just another weird interesting you know representation that the climate and the blight doesn't make sense right (laughs) and just an illustration of the dark one's influence right thinking that you know the closer you get to the source you think it would get hotter and like worse but no it gets colder right so anyways there's a lot of interesting things in the blight right you've got yeah, as they start going in uh, and explore and you know trying to get to where they want to go to the eye of the world, right? They, you know, people are just disgusted. You know, people the the people in the band are are like, oh, this is great. Loyal is you know is obviously really sad. Matt wretches multiple times, right? Yeah. And I think Rand is it Rand who re- tries to reach out and like touch a tree, yeah. right? And uh, is slapped back and says, so, you know, don't even do that, right? And mm-hmm. do we do we learn about sticks here? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's when they talk about the sticks. The sticks. And so what, I, I was curious, Mark. What was your favorite? What was your favorite monster in the blight? <laughs> oh man, from the from this scene. For, well, maybe from yeah, from this scene, and and I know we'll talk about some more here in a bit. But yeah, you know, if you could pick your one monster in the blight, Trollocs aside, what would um, it be? <laughs> Probably the worms because we never ever see them again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, they talk. They're super fearsome. They're super dangerous. Right. Um. Apparently, these were the only ones that ever existed, and th- so they were pretty cool. I actually like the worms. Like how, like I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I I like Dune, <laughs> right. and I kind of got like a Dunish feel out of it. I'm like, yeah. oh man, it's like Dune. Right. Um. And so. Those are pretty cool. Um, probably the most interesting, another one that we never really see again, are, I don't even know what they are, like the like deformed Trollocs. Yeah. I, right. I, I don't know what they are, right? I mean, it doesn't really say what they are, if they're animals that have been deformed or just gross or whatever they are, but those are pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And the interesting thing, oh, sorry, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say the sea monster in the, the seven. Oh, that's right. The, tower, the lakes there. Oh, yeah. They're like, I think one of the comments was, was that hands on the end of his tentacles? <laughs> right, right. And the interesting thing is, so a little bit of history here, right? The All these creatures in the Blight were created um, during the War of Power, right? Oh, by Agonor? By Agonor, oh, right? Oh, yeah, it makes sense. And so, you know, you have you have these weird things like is that hands on the end of his tentacles, or I mean, just the way that the trollocs are formed too. Like they look like different pieces of different things put slammed together, right? Because that's what he was trying to do. Because right? that's what he was yeah. trying to do, He's right? Biolo- like a super biological guy, yeah. Right, exactly. And so all these things were kind of created through experimentation. You know, I never thought of that. I guess I never put that together. I know all about Agenor. I know what he does. Like he created the Trollocs and right. blah, blah, blah. But I never thought like, oh, he created all this stuff out here. But I'm at, now I'm like, oh. 
Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So yeah. I wonder, like, how much of these were like failed experiments, mm-hmm. right? In oh, yeah. trying to create a trollock, right? Like the like, I, I wouldn't say the worms are failed, right? But but like you know the sea monster and like the you know the sticks and other terrible things. Anyway, the, the blight's a creepy place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Full of we'll, we'll say failed experiments, toxic trees. <laughs> it's it it it's basically trying to kill you every time, every step you take. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And so um, you know they they get further into the blight and um, eventually they have to stop and sleep, right? And so, and it's here that Rand, you know, starts dreaming again, right? And starts having, uh, you know, Moraine obviously kind of warns him again about the danger of dreams and everything else like that. And it it gets pretty urgent. And so, anyways, Justin, I I don't want to take your uh, summary here, but, you know, once essentially Rand wakes up, and they get further in, they, they encounter the worms, they start encounter, you know, they encounter the sea monster, and things are getting really bad, right? Mm-hmm. Which, um, you know, kind of starts to, um, I would say, encourage that need, right? And the, the, the place where they want to go, right, really only appears when they're in desperate need, right? Or when they need to get there. And you know, we're talking about you know the green man here and, and kind of where that place is, right? So I was I was I was kind of curious how that works, right? I know you know you have you have the green man, right? And we'll we'll talk about him, but the fact that it only you can really only get there if you need to, right? Does that mean that it's only accessible in the blight or up there, or could you get to the green man somewhere else if you really needed to? <sighs> That's a good question, and <clears throat> I will tell you what it says. So. Oh, nice! <laughs> I need to get the white book. Yeah. So the <clears throat> the they were trying to get past the mountains of doom on the other side because mm-hmm. that's where they had normally seen it. But for right. this time, it shows up on the other, like where they're at. Exactly. So the southern side of the mountains of mountains of doom. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And so that's what got me asked, like asking the question, like it moved. Yeah. Right? So could it move more? Well, it moves all the time. Right. But like the major location, I guess, moved as well. Well, right. the way it explains it is it doesn't move. The people that need it are in different places. So this is what it says. Hmm. I'm going to read this. The White Book. If you don't know what it is, get it. It's the Bible. Uh, yes. Uh, World of Robert Jordan, The Will of Time uh, by Robert Jordan and Teresa Patterson. It's freaking awesome. It's really like a collection of... In universe yeah, stuff. In universe biographies, stuff. histories. Yeah. And it's cool. It talks about, I mean, the Forsaken and who they are and where they come I mean, we're gonna read about some of the Forsaken in a minute. But it doesn't give you a whole lot of context. This will give you a little bit more context. Yeah. Who they are, where they come from, why they are, what they are. Right. Anyway, so this is what it says. Uh blah blah blah. Okay. All all that was known about the eye was that it was a great object of the power of the power hidden somewhere deep within the blight guarded only by the green man within his enchanted grove it is a, it is said to await those whose need was great enough among the legends of the grove one said that no one would be able to find it twice for it was constantly moving those few who have been there say that it is not the place that moves but rather the location of the person who needs it yeah. which sounds like the same thing but apparently it's not no. so um, 
it doesn't move. It remains constant. Right. Just the location of the person who's actually looking for it and needing it. Changes. So is, is it there everywhere? Yeah. So it must exist inside and outside of the pattern. Right? If you can't find it in the same place. Oh, it, interesting. Right? Mm -hmm. So like you're... And I, and I don't think it's necessarily need. Like, I think if someone went looking for it and they needed to find glory, they would never find it. Right. But if they needed to find something deep within themselves to make themselves better or help the world in some place, right. then they would find it. And then they would get the wisdom, whatever the green man had to offer. Like, right. I have no idea what they right. people found when they found the green man, but I'm sure he didn't yeah. just give him a high five and send him on his way, right? I'm sure he gave You him found some, me. Good job. Found yeah, me. like, <laughs> you found Waldo. Who's Here's Waldo? Your prize. You know what I mean? Like, you'll yeah. find out in, like, the seventh turning. Yeah. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so... Um, Th then it goes on. Then it goes to say, is, well, we'll talk about that part later. <laughs> okay. But well, so that's the answer. It doesn't necessarily move. So I, I think it just exists right outside the pattern and exists. That's interesting that you bring that up because when I was reading it this last time, it said, oh, it, it depends on their need, the need, the need. And that reminded me of Teleron Rioid when mm -hmm. Egwene, when she first starts to learn how to navigate it, she was like, I have to go where the need is, or even Perrin. They were both big right. dreamers. What's my need? And so they would find out where to go based on their need, and then they would be transported there. So is it, are these, is the, the green man in the world of dreams, or is they related somehow, or not really, just happens to have the same concepts? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if so, and this is why. They was, he was told to guard it, right? Um, it was... It was done, if I remember right, after the War of Power, right? Right, yeah. And so anybody that would, like, they knew they weren't going to be alive to protect what was in it. So, and I think they also know that anyone, that no one would continue to be alive that would remember even what Teleron Riot is. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was the perfect place, right? It's a place that's outside the pattern, but still in the pattern, um, that people could only access with super need and couldn't access it just because they knew how. Like it would be like you would either have to go there knowing what you needed and knowing what it contained, or you would go there because you need something else, in which case it was still safe but still findable. So would that then imply that you know when they do get to the Green Man, that they go, if, if it isn't Teleron Riyadh, right, that they go there in the flesh, right? Mm. Kind of yeah. Because they're not asleep. Right, yeah. when they go yeah. in there, right? If it is the case, yeah, they're in there in the flesh. They're in there in the flesh, which is dangerous. It's super dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I'll, as we keep reading and we read about the dream world, I'll pay attention to see if there's any correlations there. Interesting. So, okay. Uh, so they find the green man. Yeah. And he's a nim. That's what their thing is called. They're not a race, right? They're a creation. They're a creation. Yep, they were created... During the uh, Age of Legends, so before the war, um, through the power to make things grow, yeah. right? I mean, help yeah. know, things right, like yeah. that. I think they could use the power even to help things grow. Yeah, yeah. right. Yep. That was limited to that, but but they uh, could. And then the ogier could supplement them because the ogier could sing and stuff like that. So it's almost like they worked really in tandem. Mm -hmm. together yeah it says they are a living construct that could use the one power for the benefit of plants and growing things the nim ogier and daishan ail worked together as a team focusing on the one power to ensure perfect growth for every field they sang sung crops were immune to blight 
and impervious to insects hmm. in the Age of Legends. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. I didn't either. So That's barely. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so they, and he's the last one. He's the only one that survived. We do see more when there's flashbacks. You kind of see their role a little bit, mm-hmm. how they work. But at this point, he's the last one. And someone said his name? Samashta? So, yeah, I think it's Samashta. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Cool. I will look it up, but I'm pretty sure. And I think he says it in the next portion okay. of the book. Next chapter. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's Samashta. Okay. Yeah, Samashta. Samashta. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's got a big old... And does it does it show what happened anywhere, or does it say in the sh- TV series? It seems like somewhere it said where he got his, like, the crack from. I don't know. I just remember reading about it, like he had it, like part of that part of his face was like dead. Mm-hmm. And it affected his memories. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to, he's, his, some of his memories are gone. Yeah. Cause he sees, right. He see, he sees Rand. Right. And he's, he's like, oh, you know, like, or, you know, what does he call him? Uh, son, son of the dragon son, or. Yeah. Uh, son of the, I think it's something like that. Yeah. yeah and you know, something, something the other, I guess I could look it up. I'm a terrible reader, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, Oh, did, did I forget? Huh? I guess I forgot. And then just moves on, but it's actually a very important part of the book. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then they ask about, you know, take a CI of the world. And he's like, Oh, I'll never forget that part. Yeah, so he's aware <laughs> right. he's forgot stuff. Yeah. Like that something's happened to him. But right. I don't think we ever find what. And I wonder how, like, I if that was so. on purpose or yeah. what. But I mean, he recognizes a lot of them, right? So, Brent, Child of the Dragon. That's what he calls him. Child them, of the Dragon, yeah. Right. And then Perrin, he says, Wolf Brother, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like yeah, we had one of those for a while. Right. Right. And it sounds like he was alive during the Age of Legends. And mm-hmm. if there hasn't been a Wolf Brother for a while, there wasn't. One or if any during the Age of Legends either, mm-hmm. or at the beginning of yeah. the Age because Age of Legends was like yeah. thirty eight hundred years long yeah, or maybe long more. Time. I can't remember. I right. think somewhere it says it, but um, they existed at some point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. So they did see, like you mentioned, they stopped for the night, um, and they camped near the Thousand Lakes and Seven Towers and. Right outside of Malkir. So they see that, the ruins of it. And oh, that's right. Yeah. Th- this is where Nynaeve and Lan talk, kind of have <laughs> their talk about um, she doesn't want to live without him type discussion. And it's like, well, I, I can't. I'm a warder. And she's like, well, maybe I could go to the tower and you could be my warder at some point. And so they start talking about that. And he ultimately refuses her and says, I, I can't, it's not, it's not going to happen. And she gets sad. And, um, <laughs> there's this part where, so night or Egwene comes to comfort Nynaeve <laughs> and Rand's kind of listening in the whole time. And he's like, Oh, and he's, he says something to the effect of man, women, they just know how to read people, men's minds or something. Right. And he says, women are all I said, I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all women are I said, I, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I read that part. Yeah. I got to giggled to myself. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and here in this camp, at some point, um, Nynaeve says, I want to, I'm going to go to the tower and I'm going to learn to be an I said, I, and that's the first time we hear that where she's like, cause before she was always against Moraine and doesn't want to, she's just there for the, the group, the people from Emmons field 
And then um, she changes her mind. She's going to go and be there for Egwene while she's there training as well. You, you know, I kind of got, I was thinking about this as I was reading this, um, you know, because Maureen is supposed to be training mm-hmm. these girls, Egwene. Right. And I feel like of everybody that Maureen trained, Nynaeve got the most out of it. Even though she was pissed off and she was like, <laughs> I'm going to be controlled just to piss her off. Like, nobody else is like that. Nobody else got that calmness. You know, uh, Egwene doesn't, uh, Elaine doesn't, right? None of them get that mm-hmm. except Nynaeve. Like, she contorts herself personally the most like an Aes Sedai than all of them. And I feel like it's 100% through this. Okay. So I feel like why she's trying to be defiant, like the whole time Maureen's like, oh, you're learning. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> right, mean? Like, right. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of uh, like low-cast smart. You yeah, know, like she's right. the only one that got it and she totally just got it because she was trying to prove a point. Yeah. That's a good uh, good notice. I hadn't caught that either. So um, anything else? Oh, this is where we see Moraine. She like casts this weave where it covers the group and they become invisible if they go inside that like umbrella weave. Oh, yeah. Umbrella mm-hmm. weave mm-hmm. Where she says, oh, I just redirected the light and that's how it works. Because <laughs> Rand's out there doing something with the horses and he turns around and like, he doesn't see anybody. He's like, what happened? Where did everybody go? Right. And then he heard someone talking and so he, he walked into it. And so it was kind of a cool camouflage effect. I don't think we really see again, do we? Well, um, I mean, really, if you think about it, that's like a simplistic version of the face of mirrors. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Really what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I mean, they bend light around it as opposed to make it actually see something. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's... a like if someone put, played with that enough, they would have finally gotten mm-hmm. to the point where they could do yeah. it. Yeah. Because it's kind of like the cloak of invisibility in Harry Potter, right? Yeah. You yeah. do a lot yeah. of stuff with that that little weave. Mm-hmm. Go all kinds of places. So anyway. Um, yeah, I think that's... Then they leave the next day and head up to find the green man. Yeah. Yep. And then they find him, right? right? Yeah, and right. Last chapter, read 49, they find him and... They're getting uh, chased by the worms. Yeah. Yep, the worms. the worms. Matt's like, why are we afraid of worms? <laughs> <laughs> these are these are bad worms. These are not any worms, yeah. right? Uh, there are USs, and um, yeah. and so uh, they get there, and then WS. Yeah, <laughs> wusses. Wuss right. <laughs> and so it's the worst wuss you'll ever meet. Um, so, anyways, they, you know, they get there, and you know, Green Man, you know, remembers uh, remembers. Maureen. And I think it was cool. Even he recognizes like, hey, you should not be yeah. here a second time. How the heck <laughs> yeah. are you here? Right. And then she just straight out says it. Because we have a lot of need. Like the world has a lot of need. We need the eye of the world. Yeah. That's interesting because then it it puts the the responsibility of like he doesn't choose to reveal himself to Moraine. Because no. he's like surprised, right? Like how, why are you here? So what's in control of that need? Like recognizing the need, allowing them to find the green man. That's mm-hmm. something I never thought of before. Yeah. And the amount of thought or powerful of a, you know, I said I weave to make that so, right? I mean, you're not just, you know, saying here's a tangrail, you need to walk to the right time, turn around three times, you know, and, and then shoot, you know, shoot your bullet in the air. Yeah. If you know the movie, then you yeah. rock. <laughs> Don't shoot straight. <laughs> anyway, uh, but you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and then he'll appear. It's literally like, if these people have the right amount of need for the right types of things, they'll find it. 
Like that is an amazing feat mm-hmm. of power. And uh, that- What like, do you think's behind that power? Is it an I said I thing or? It's gotta be, right? Because I said I created the eye of the world. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. created it and then had Samash to watch it. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it's, I want to talk about this, but I can't because it'll ruin the next one. I'll save it. <laughs> okay, but, uh, I'll get into it next time. But um, it, it's got to be something with power because, you know, it has nothing to do with a Turing grail. Right? right. Yeah. No. I mean, and I, th- I think the reason it appears, I mean, it's just, it's, I feel like it's less of a tangible thing that somebody's doing with the power and more of a, of a combination between a Rand's effect of Zezetavirin, mm-hmm. as well as his association with the power, right? That's a good point. And so I think it, it appears when Rand's desperation gets to its peak, right? And then it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're getting chased by the worms. Exactly. Like a whole pack of them chasing them. They're in things big, are getting bad. and Yeah, big danger. Yeah. Okay. And so I wonder if that even plays a role of, of pulling Moraine into it as well. Mm-hmm. Right. That the, the, the whole idea of a, of, of, of a Taviran as well as just Rand's unrealized, but massive power in Sidene, right. Mm-hmm. Kind of warps the pattern. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm hmm. pretty sure that played into it as well. Okay. Good stuff. All right. Anything else for these chapters? Anything else you guys want to bring up that we haven't talked about already? Or? No, I mean, pretty pretty solid chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, build up to what's coming. Yep, that's for sure. Yeah. So the next five chapters are the end of the book. So the final battle, basically. A uh, lot of great stuff. All these questions are answered. Well, not all of them, but we get a lot of answered questions about uh, what the eye of the world is and why they need to go there and what happens after and. We'll be talking about some Forsaken. So far, we've only met Balzaman uh, here and there in the dream world. Um, we'll meet a couple more in, this, in the next couple chapters. Yeah, two more. Two more. Two more. So, interesting story. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of a lot of cool stuff coming up. Yeah. Yep. So, we'll talk about those chapters, and then we'll just kind of give our thoughts about the book as a whole, and what we thought, what we liked. All those who our favorite characters are, what we didn't like about it, all that stuff. And then we'll be done with book one and we'll move into book two after that. So thanks guys for joining us here on the fourth of Viren. And please subscribe to our podcast. Click on the subscribe button right below us and uh, like the video if you do. Comment on it. Let us know if, if you think our theories are correct. So if we missed anything, let us know. We'll engage with you online. And We're grateful that you guys have listened or watched and look forward to uh, talking more about uh, the eye of the world and wrapping this story up. So we want to thank you guys for joining us and may you find water and shade. See you guys. Thanks. We'll see you.